0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Drop the Mits episode seventeen. I'm Mike Sullivan, back alongside Chris Davis. Chris, how you doing?
1: Man, I'm tired. I'm ready for bed.
0: Yeah, yeah. You yeah. stayed up
1: for that game last night? I stayed up for the game. Came home from Dave Chappelle, which actually was a pretty good. Uh, it was a pretty good setup. You know, the show got done around eleven. Got home probably around eleven thirty ish. Game was on, so it kind of worked out. Yeah. Um, I think I saw both goals, so that was awesome. JVR, obviously, three goals in uh three games, not a big deal.
0: Magic of the jersey. <laughs> yeah,
1: dude. You know what? No one can fucking tell me otherwise, you know. Like there, there's no way that this is some sort of like coincidence. Um, but yeah, man, he's been just he's been playing his game, but yeah, I saw I saw some post
0: uh today. I, I'm I'm ninety percent sure it was Dom Tiano, so shout out to Dom. But uh he ran a system, I guess, that showed JVR's value right now and where where his contract should be. And I'm off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure it was right around 3.5 mil. So be, I mean, Sweeney, Neely, Bruins front office, I mean, obviously they signed him at that one mil deal for a year. Uh if he continues to play this way, I mean the Bruins have a solid guy and a fucking very, very good deal. Um for a guy kind of rejuvenating his um his level of play.
1: Yeah, and I think I think what's making him so good and and so effective is that they're not asking him to do too much. Right. Like he's not, right. He's not required to play on that first line Mm -hmm. or he's not playing first line minutes. Like he was in Philly. I think he was averaging about almost 18 minutes or, you know, 18 minutes a game. But, and I think they're kind of just letting him stick his ass in front of the net and just kind of clean up, you know, and I think that's where he's best at this point in his career. Um, Yeah. I I think he's, he's, at this point, dude, 30 goals is not out of the question. I, I don't no. think, you know, and that would be unbelievable dude on a $1 million contract. Like that would be yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Like and, and again, just the, the people he's playing with, like they're mixing up the lines. Yeah, we saw that again. Um, yep. yeah, I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, he's his, he scores greasy goals. Um, and I think every so often he'll, he'll dazzle you a little bit, but yeah. Other than that, they're not asking him to do too much. And I think that's why it's such a good fit.
0: Yeah. And that's what I was going to say too. Like he doesn't even, he might score 30. I think that's a pretty solid bet right now. If that was a bet on DraftKings, I would take it. Um, but that's the thing. Like you don't need him to go out there and, and you know, have these pretty goals or, or dangle around defensemen cut to the net, whatever. Like I'm sure he's capable of doing it, but that's not what he has to do to get these goals. Like you said, he's playing with talented guys. I mean, he can bounce around from line to line, whether he's playing with coil pasta, Zaka, Debrusque, Marshawn, name it. He's, he's versatile and he can play in really any, any situation. And, the way that they're using him and the way that his role is right now, just kind of being that net front guy, um, playing along the boards and in the corners, using his body, using his frame to kind of protect the puck, move the puck, and just find the open guy. He's gonna he's gonna put in at least 20. At least 20 for sure. No doubt in my mind about tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And especially if he can maintain this, um, it's not like you're asking too much of him either. He's he's not I don't know what his average time on ice is right now, but I I it would be hard to imagine him pr- maybe over 18 minutes average. Um, but he's probably right on like 15, 16, right around there. Um, so he's not overworking his body. He's just he's just excelling in his role right now.
1: Yeah, he he's fun to watch, man. Like again, just seeing a dude that not quite a local – you know, played at UNH, so I guess you'd call him a local kid. Um, just cool to see his career kind of getting rejuvenated. Um, you know, he's obviously one of the older guys in the league and um, had to play for Philly, so that's unfortunate. But, um, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> cool to see. Like, what what are your thoughts on these line combos? Like, obviously they're changing, seems, every day. But I, I don't know. I think they're still trying to find that, like – just that combination that works. Um, and I don't think they've quite found that yet. I think they've shown sparks, yeah. uh, but nothing that they're going to use consistently. And I, I'm wondering what, you know, what do you see happening in the, in the future?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the, I'm looking at the line combos right now for the bees. Uh, Marshawn, Patra, geeky to Zaka pasta. I love that line. Uh, JVR, JVR, Coil, Frederick, great third line and then obviously the fourth line of Lucic Lauko and I was having this conversation and it kind of I, I mean I didn't even necessarily mean it to stir the pot as much as it did but
1: oh, I, I, I think I know where this is going
0: like I think the Bruins need a, a top six winger more than they need a center right now people aren't giving Pavel Zaka enough credit for how he's been playing and how he played even last year in a top six role yeah. um and then obviously the emergence of Matthew Patra too, that's still a wild card because we are only three games into the season. But when you look at the Bruins lines, right? The top six lines, Marshawn, DeBrusque, Pasta, those are your three bona fide top six wingers. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, I mean, yes, JVR is excelling, but is he going to be able to, you know, contribute all 82 games a year plus playoffs in a top six role? Is he even going to be in a top six role? um morgan geeky you saw in the first line with Marshawn patra um and that like you know that's okay it's okay but i don't think he's a top six guy no and it, the bruins i think as i said earlier on on previous episodes of this and something's brewing i think they're going to win a lot of tight games they're not going to be able to beat out teams that they're scoring like <laughs> we saw last year so if you can add in, you know, a, a top six winger who can score goals and be an offensive producer, he doesn't have to light it up, but he has to be at least the top six guy who can score, <clears throat> then it's going to benefit you massively. And, by the way, there's a guy on the market by the name of Patty Kane. So, yeah, just thought I'd throw that out there.
1: Yeah, well, even to go back to your tweet, too, that I know exactly which one you're talking about, it's the Connor Garland thing, right? And yes. I think it feels like every year since... God, since I can remember that, we've heard, you know, the rumors, Connor Garland of Boston, right? Right? He Sween Dog loves his fucking local kids. Um, and and you really stirred the pot on that one. Um, I didn't I didn't even mean to, dude. And, and I will
0: say too, before you keep going, it was just a hypothetical. That was literally all it was. And now I got everybody jumping down my throat, dude.
1: Well, you know, but but again, what people aren't understanding is you're t- you're sitting there telling me that you wouldn't want a guy like Connor Garland in your top six. It allows Morgan Geeky to go down to that third line. What what's so bad about that? Yeah, maybe right. the hypothetical of getting rid of Grizzlick or a Lysel. Yeah, me. May- yeah, we're not saying that's what the deal is going to be. It's right. a hypo- It's a hypothetical for right. one. Yep. Two. I think the main idea that you were trying to get across is: Would you want a guy like Connor Garland with that contract, and what yes. would it take to make that work? Right. Because again. Yes. You're not going to give up Derek Forbert for Connor Garland. It's no. not. Why would Vancouver do that? No exactly. fucking way. And again, I think a lot of these people look at it from solely the Bruins lens, right? They yep. just look at it from that. And it's like, well, it also has to be enticing for the Bruins. And what do, what do the Bruins have that could entice Vancouver to make a deal like this? Right. Yep. Matt Grizzlick Fabian Lysel, higher draft picks. Like. Second, third rounders. Like that, that's what it's gonna take. It's not gonna take fucking Derek Forbert. What the hell are they gonna do with Derek Forbert in Vancouver?
0: Right. And I will say adding Lysel to that <laughs> deal is a little bit top heavy. You would come out on the losing end of that deal if you also get rid of Lysel. But the I mean you're you're taking back 30% retained from Garland. And there's for sure, also by the way, before I even continue, there's definitely better options that the Bruins could target. For sure. Like that's a hundred percent. Um But the reason I made that hypothetical is because they're open to trading him right now. And they just announced that they're willing to take 30% retained on his salary. So that's what the current, you know, trade market is, I guess. And just out of plain curiosity, that's what crossed my brain. And I had people telling me I was stupid to turn my brain on. I had people telling me to log off of Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I I took a hard L and hey.
1: It is what it is. But I don't I don't it also think it wasn't was an, so serious. I don't think it was an L though. Like it's a, it's something that again, like why why can't we at least talk about it, right? Like what well I yeah, maybe the hypothetical of Grizzlick and Lysel being involved in the same deal for a guy like Connor Garland. Yeah, maybe, yeah. right? That's yes. probably a little yeah. over the top. But I don't think the, that was the point you were trying to make, right? right? I think it's what what do people think it would take to bring in a guy like Connor Garland? Because yeah. you're Dumb if you think it's just going to be Derek It Doesn't work like that. The trade has to work for both teams. Nobody wants Derek Forbert. right? And and like I, I saw a lot of that on there, dude. Like again, this it ha- the deal has to be enticing for the fucking Vancouver Canucks as well. It's not. They're not going to just give us Connor Garland. It doesn't work like that. And right. yeah, I I to go back to the original point. I would fucking love to have Connor Garland on this team. Yeah, I think he's a I think he's a Bruin, dude. Like the way he plays, he's a pain in the ass. Like he's a Bruin. It allows Morgan Geeky to slide down to that third line where he's probably most comfortable. Cause yeah, let's let's be real. He's not a top six forward. No, he's not. He's absolutely not. And I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, we have that luxury. I guess we can toss him on there. He's playing with with a Martian and, and Patois, but I, I don't. I don't think it's out of the out of the question to bring in a guy like that, and I think at some point, especially as we get into the you know into the depth of the season, let us fucking pump the brakes here. We played Chicago and San Jose. Let's yeah. how about we uh, how about we relax a little bit, right? We're talking about two two teams that had top four picks in the draft. Yep. Let's relax.
0: I think their next game is against LA, isn't it?
1: It is. So Speaking. it's going to be a little bit more of a test. A little yeah. bit more of a test. I I think L.A.'s a pesky team. Obviously, you know, got PLD there, um,
0: Kempe, Dino, Copatar, Down Yeah, like,
1: and we'll we'll see. They're going to be definitely more of a test than San Jose yeah. and Chicago. So all these people saying, "Oh, eighty-two and zero is on." Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit.
0: Oh no, eighty-two and zero is one hundred percent on. Not when you're playing the, the top
1: four <laughs> worst teams. I, I want to see what this team does playing yes. real teams for yes, sure. Yes, yes, You know, and I, I just, yeah, I, I they're t- you got to win. Like, you got to win those kind of games, right? The, I mean, last night was not a good win for them. It was, they played down to their opponents, especially after the first period. Like, yep. that's the reality of it. And they can't be doing that to good teams because they'll get fucking burnt.
0: Yeah, they'll get and, burnt um,
1: for sure. Yeah, so. I put out another, um, I guess, poll or whatever, asking people. Because there were. I was seeing some stuff on Twitter today, man, about, well, talking about uh, Matthew Potwa and if he's going back to junior. And the fact that that's even a convers like, why am I still seeing tweets about this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, we have hockey back. We don't need to make stupid tweets anymore. We can, <laughs> like, we can, you know what I mean? It's, and I was actually, and we t- we were talking about this before. I was actually really surprised in the in what 96 votes dude and 29% of the people thought yes he should go back to junior. Yeah. That That's a high junior. number. Higher than I fuck higher than I thought. I thought it'd be single digits.
0: So, Matthew Potra so far, uh 3 games, 1 assist. Uh he's averaging about he's averaging just under 14 minutes uh time on ice. No goals yet, but I mean if the bruins choose to send him back then what because if that's the choice then you are definitely in the market for another center um along with a wing most likely but then if he leaves center is more of a top priority target uh and i mean i don't know do you, i i just don't think from a bruins roster structure perspective it's smart to send him back i just say you know keep playing him and and let him just Play out this year, see what happens.
1: Sending him back would tell me you're not worried about making the playoffs this year.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: That that's that's exactly what that tells me. I mean, I would I would be willing to not argue, but talk about if people have other perspectives than that. But that's exactly what that tells me.
0: Yeah,
1: you're telling me you'd rather because at that point you're either putting in a a quest, right? Yeah, and you're telling you're telling me that you cannot sit there and tell me that. Bolquist at this point is better than Patois. Very early. I, I understand no, that. I Very early. No. But I think It'll, Patois gives you your best chance to win night in, night out.
0: That's, again, yeah. And if the Bruins are winning games, even if he's not lighting up the score sheet, but the team itself is winning, why make a change? He doesn't have contrib- to light it up.
1: He can contribute in other ways other than the score sheet.
0: Right, exactly. And if you right. sign if you send him back and Boakfist ends up coming up, where is Boakfist going to play?
1: You'd have to put him at center. Yeah, and, and what? Like third line center? Third line center. Yeah, I don't like You're this. you're <laughs> in the you're in the same scenario that we were just talking about all off season before the emergence of Matthew Potwa. Yep, exactly. And I I just don't see how something like this. And again, I only made that poll because I saw it like four times today. And, I, and I'm not saying it was reputable accounts. Like, very well could have been people just trying to start shit. But in my mind, I'm like, how are we even still talking about this? It makes yeah. no sense to me. And 49% said no, and then 22% absolutely fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, which is where I was. I Like, again, and I think of it in terms of his development. What the hell is Guel- Gulf Storm, Guelph Storm, whatever? The, what are they going to do for him? Like, again... He's already shown that he can dominate that league, right? He showed us that he showed us last year. What is sending him back going to do for his development? If anything, and I think we talked about it last episode, it's going to hinder his development. Yep. Like, man, like really, like I'm back. (laughs) Like, man, I got to fucking play junior now. Like, but I will say I do find it odd that Danton Heinen traveled with the team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know what to make of that.
1: Which. I don't know. One, is a deal coming? Two, is someone getting sent somewhere, right? Like,
0: yep. and I'm not
1: saying it's Patois. I'm not even sure that would make a difference in this. Could it be Beecher? You think maybe Beecher? I don't know. I hope not. Yeah. Because he's another one. He had an assist last night on, on, on Martian's goal. Like, yep. again, he he was out there at the end of the game, you know, when they, they were down – Obviously San Jose was down. Marshan took a dumb penalty. Um, and Johnny Beecher was out there and killed it. Yeah. So again, he cleared the puck, I want to say, twice on that at the end of the game, and, and they ultimately won that game. And he was out there at the end. So I I I don't even know what to make of that. Yeah. And there's so many different there's really actually not that many scenarios. It's weird that he's still with the team.
0: It is bizarre. <laughs> I don't
1: know what word to use. It's just this dude's just kind of chilling with the team too. Like he's just he's just it's, he's just here to have a good time, I guess, you know?
0: It's almost ominous that he's here. It's like, "Well, it's it makes you say why? What's coming? What's going to happen? Why is this guy still here? Well, it, like what's coming?"
1: See, me me I I think I saw a, a tweet from Dom Tiano, I think it was. And uh I think he was saying that saying something along the lines of he's waiting for his lottery ticket or something and not a trade or something like along the lines of like, don't bank on a trade happening. Let me let me pull it up because I was like, they kind of told me that like, well, fuck, maybe a trade really isn't coming. And but at that point, you're talking someone's getting sent down. Right.
0: Maybe you think they just hold him until they really make a decision with Patra. That could be it. That could be it. That really could be it.
1: But you know, what's crazy is the fact that they're actually considering this. Yeah. They're actually considering sending him back.
0: I don't think it's crazy, but I don't. Okay. I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I think they're just doing their due diligence. If, if, you know he starts to struggle towards you know the tail end of the nine game trial and they think okay maybe you're not ready but you're just about there because okay say this say the CHL NHL transfer agreement wasn't a thing does he start the year in the NHL or does he start the year in Providence like Luray?
1: I think he still starts in the NHL cuz mm-hmm. i think i think the Bruins back end in comparison to their center depth is night and day difference yeah I think they're in a Zaka has been playing very well coils coil we know exactly what we're getting but I think even Zaka's emergence now he's made some phenomenal plays looking Mm -hmm. like a true two-way center right but again at the end of the day you need four lines you need four centers that can all play right and they just don't have that and I think with his emergence. It kind of gave us a it kind of gave us like a, a sigh of relief, right? Like everyone kinda of took a deep breath, like, oh, okay, good. We have, you know, we have a center, right? Within our organization. We don't have to we don't have to rush to make a trade. We don't have to put in someone that doesn't belong. <clears throat> Patrick Brown. Um, and yeah, like he gave us that luxury and, and just to send him back, I think it would just put us back in a, in the hole that we were in prior to the emergence of Patois.
0: Yes, I just, I just start. You would start at. You would start from square one again. That's it.
1: But then, you, but then you're gonna get people barking down. You know, barking at you. You know, down your fucking throats, saying to fucking make a trade. We'll trade Allmark. We can get a one C for Allmark. We'll trade yeah. Grizzly. We can trade Grizzly and picks. It's gonna be like that for the rest of the year until they do feel like it's given. It's alleviated some of that alleviated yep. some of that need to do that i think they still need a top six forward if they're going to make a deep run um yep. because matchup wise with some of these other teams in the east i don't i don't know i'd have i i'm curious to see how they rank and how they play but again let's not forget they played chicago and they played san jose so let's
0: right dude but speaking of other teams in the east oh and right ottawa Detroit and Ottawa
1: yeah this was a this was actually our next our next topic so it's a good uh segue into that Atlantic teams most likely to make a playoff run a deep playoff run at that there have been three teams that have been have shown that they're almost there right if not already there and those teams are Ottawa Senators Buffalo Sabres and Detroit Red Wings yep we had forty three percent of the people say that the Ottawa Senators are the ones that are most likely to make a deep playoff run. At forty three percent, Detroit Red Wings at thirty three percent, and Buffalo Sabers at twenty four percent. I was surprised by this. I le- I I knew Ottawa was on the rise, and I knew they were get they're almost there. But my God, dude, they're they're good, they're good, <laughs> they're good team. I mean. This Jake Sanderson deal at eight years and a little bit over eight mil is gonna be an absolute steal. He's been looking like a a fucking Norris Trophy, right? Like like a Norris Trophy, like winner. Yep. And he they have him quarterback in the power play. He's on that first pair. Like he's looked amazing. And then you you see Vladimir Tarasenko back to being the old Tarasenko that he was that he was in (laughs) in St. Louis. Yeah. And it's like, dude, this team is is. Josh Norris came back and scored two goals. Drake yep. Batherson looks good.
0: The the Shane Pinto thing is probably going to be resolved pretty soon too.
1: And it looks like he's going to be coming back too. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it had nothing's happened yet, but all things are pointing towards him coming back. I um, mean, on
0: the on the opposite side of the spectrum too, Detroit. I mean, Alex DeBrinkett right now leading the league in scoring. He's got 8 points in 4 games. Uh Dylan Larkin with 6 and 4. Uh, and then going down the line, too, you got Shane Gossesfair on the back end putting up four points in four games. Andrew Kopp coming over from Winnipeg, um, four, four points in four games, three goals. And then JT Comfer as well, um, Stanley Cup champion with Colorado. Um, Detroit's no no slouch either. I mean, we knew this going into the, le- into the year, though. Um, the Atlantic Division was going to be a dogfight. And we knew that at least one of the three teams – um in detroit ottawa buffalo at least one of them was going to make a legitimate push and this early into the season and i know we're only four or five games in um for some yeah. teams so you got to take it all with a grain of salt and see how it all plays itself out but if you if you watch the detroit red wings games um they're they come at you non-stop dude they're they're a high flying offensive I don't want to say powerhouse, but they, they they have the potential to be a powerhouse. Um, and I, I, even like the fan base is rejuvenated too. there. There's something in the league. There's a shift going on right now. All the teams that were kind of in the middle or just absolute trash bags for the past, like five to 10 years are finally starting to make that turn. And you can feel it in the energy from the fan base. Uh, you can just feel it. You can see it. The energy shift on the ice too, between the players. I mean, Jesus Christ, if you're Dylan Larkin, how excited must you be right now? I mean, you've spent that much time in Detroit missing the playoffs, missing the playoffs, missing the playoffs, and still remaining on that team, dedicating your time and, and your energy into you know what Stevie Y uh, and the rest of the Detroit front office is building, and it's finally coming to fruition. You got Alex Debrinkett, Cobb for Cop, Goster You got um uh, uh Moritz Cider on the back end too. Detroit's a good team auto is a good team I still think Buffalo is a good team Ah, uh, they just haven't really been able to find their groove yet and also yeah. Tage Thompson is just now finally kind of getting into it
1: yeah it you know and you bring up Buffalo they're a team that part of the reason why I felt so strongly about Devin Levi um winning the call there was how many shots he was gonna gonna see right I mean they have, yep. they have a solid defense, but man, he's he's been getting absolutely fucking peppered back there. Yep. And uh like again, I, I don't know if he can keep it up all year. Um who knows? I, but yeah, I, I would have to agree with this poll. At after watching Ottawa, man, they're I, I love what Detroit's doing. They're not afraid to muck yeah. it up. You know, they I think the I was watching Yeah, man, the Iser plan is turning into a, the Goon Squad is right. And <laughs> but Dude, the way Ottawa's playing, man. The these three teams you mentioned turning the corner, and yeah, they're they're starting to look like legit NHL teams that that you know aren't a fucking joke anymore. Right? Yeah, and I,
0: I mean, you could even go um, into the Western Conference too. Arizona's two and two. Arizona's a lot of they're they're they get a lot of slack because obviously the whole arena situation. Um, they're kind of. Over the past five, ten years, they've just been a joke. <laughs> but yeah. their team as a whole, dude, their team as a whole is not bad. Um, they could make some noises here. I mean, they the two teams that they beat were the Blues and uh, the Devils. So I mean, yes, the Blues is a little bit of a cakewalk, um, for most teams. I wouldn't say it's a cakewalk for Arizona, but they still beat them out, but handedly too. And then they beat the the Devils. I mean, that's a the the Devils.
1: I'm pretty sure you and I both predicted that they were going to win the Metro, I believe. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yep. yep. So, which again, like there, yeah, Logan Cooley's putting putting fans in those seats. Yep. You know, like he's dude, he's we, you know, all the all the talk about Bedard and you know it, how great he is and and his impact in the league and, and man, Logan Cooley's no fucking slouch, like nope. he. And he can play at this level, man. Like, he he is their 1C right now, in my yeah. opinion. Like, yeah. again, he is just gross, dude. Like, they've got some young players that, like, again, Clayton Keller, you're probably looking at the next captain of the Coyotes, right? Oh, yeah. And, and the oh, fact yeah. that he's he's probably going to be there for the next eight years or so, right? Yeah. And Michelli can fucking play. I hope I'm saying his name right. Yeah. Um, Schmaltz. Michelli. I love the – Michele. Michele. But, uh, yeah, dude, Schmaltz, I love the way he plays. Yeah. Like, th- this This is going to be a fun team to watch, bro. Like, and again, oh, yeah, yeah, they picked – people were kind of questioning their draft picks this year, like with uh, Daniil Boot in uh, – I hope I'm saying that name right. Yeah. And Simashev, who a lot of people were saying Shimashev wasn't projected to go into like the second round or late first, but clearly they saw something and, and a lot of these picks are starting to hit. Right. And yep. you've got to think like maybe, the, maybe they fucking know what they're doing at this point. Yeah. They've been fucking terrible for our X amount of years, but they're fun to watch, man. Like they have been fun and I've been able to catch some of the, you know, some of the ends of their games when I'm waking up, take a piss <laughs> and you know, I, I, they're fun to watch. They are like, again, we're, we're going to be talking at the end of the year, Logan Cooley in the, in the Calder, uh, you know, conversation. He's yeah. going to be there.
0: I mean, kind of, I'm looking at the Western conference right now. So now I got a question for you too. What's up with the Oilers? What are one and three? Um, yeah. let me see. Yeah. One and three. Um, they, the only team they've beat so far is the Predators They've lost twice to the Canucks and they got handed to by the Flyers. Um, is there any kind of cause for concern in your opinion for the Oilers? I mean, they got McDavid, they got saddle they got Kane, they got Nuge um, back end, they got Nurse. Uh, what is, what is, what is with their team? Like why can they not just string together a couple wins in the beginning of the
1: season? Dude. Do you have the scores of those games? Because that that's I it. on it and honestly though that's gonna be really telling because the point I'm gonna make, I think, is why why this is happening to them.
0: So game one against the Canucks, loss eight to one. Yeah. Game two against the Canucks, loss four to three. No overtime, no shootout, just straight up loss. Um against the Predators they won six to one, and then against the Flyers, the shitty Flyers, they lost four to one.
1: So again dude that team goes as McDavid, the Evander Kane. Yep. As they go, the team will go. You, dude, this it's pretty alarming, right? Like if these guys have bad nights, they're not fucking winning hockey games, right? Yep. Yep. And again, man, if they're like if these teams are starting to figure out the McDavid, right? Drysdale they're in fucking trouble, bro. Like Oh yeah. The, and again, they don't have great goaltending. They don't. So again, they're going to be. This is another team that's going to be in fucking dogfights every night. They're going to have to score five, six, seven goals every night to win. Yep.
0: You know and what I mean? And and that kind of goes back to my point that I I bring up a lot in being careful of how how much of a you know percentage that you spend your calorie calorie sap, salary cap <laughs> on 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 like two or three guys, right? Because then what does that leave? You know, the rest of the team, how are you going to build the rest of the team out with with yeah. such a limited amount of cap space left? And I think that's what you're seeing with the Oilers right now. And, and exactly to your point, if they're not going, you're probably screwed. You're yeah. probably screwed that game.
1: Yeah. So, you, again, it's a dangerous game to have to rely on. Listen, Connor McDavid, yes, is the he's it's worth not it. even close. He's the best player in the world. It's and it's not close yeah. at all. Right. But again, to have to rely on him scoring four, five, six points a night right. is not, is not a recipe for success. No, it's not. Cause if he doesn't do it, then who is right. And again, yeah, like, I suppose,
0: you I suppose Leon could, but same yeah, instance, like, are you, but same instance though? Like, are you really going to rely but, on that? But then you
1: have, but then you can't be allowing fucking eight goals a game. Right. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> right. like, again, the, the, the recipe there, it doesn't make sense. And again, that we were talking about it last week, how important all these we're starting to see all these, you know, there were a couple big contracts that we saw. And literally we had one as we were recording happen. Right. With yep. Devin Taves. Yep. These guys are buying into this team. Right. They, they join these teams and they all buy in. They're on. Unbel- right. You look at you go down that that Colorado roster and the Bruins were this way for years. You had guys you got you had four guys on there that could probably could have ma- been making 10 mil plus. Oh, right. Yeah. But they want to win. They want to stay together. They want to play together and and that's it, dude. Like again, that's how you build dynasties. That's how you build successful organizations, not by paying two, three players. It doesn't make sense. Right. Like Never like, has, never will. Like you
0: said about the avalanche. I mean, Nathan McKinnon is making twelve point six million dollars a year, which for him is probably a little undervalued. He could probably he just got like, that
1: contract though.
0: Right, right, right. Exactly. But in comparison, um actually is he he's higher paid than McDavid? Yeah, McDavid. McDavid also,
1: make 12. 5. He also got that deal. I want to say it was a, however many years after McDavid got his. Right. So, obviously, right. you see market shift. So, it's yeah, there I, goes my whole argument. But either way, you're still, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, no, these I, guys. I know what you mean, like, though. Yeah, like, and again, it's just a recipe for look at any fucking sport, dude. Obviously, us being mass kids, New England Patriots, yep, year in and year out, the whole Tom Brady era, they had people taking pay cuts. Yep, Tom Brady took pay cuts, he wanted to win, he wanted to surround himself with the talent and the personnel to be successful yeah and again you're st- you're seeing it dude Toronto like, who, kn- who knows who knows I'm sure yeah. it's gonna see what what's gonna happen with Toronto because again Willie Nylander still needs to get signed like I don't know what's gonna happen they they're goaltending there we'll see if, if Sam Sonoff is the guy for the I, I don't know yeah it's hard it's hard to tell but you know that's why even when when the bruins signed pasta to that big deal yeah he absolutely deserved it but you're like oh fuck not this like not this again like
0: even but even pasta's deal what was it 11.5 right yeah 11.5 i think you can work with and i remember when yeah. he, when his deal um when he wasn't extended and and everybody was kind of waiting for that domino to fall i remember saying you can't go any higher
1: than 12
0: if you're higher than 12 you just you're really really
1: Constricting tying. yourself. Yeah. You're
0: constricting just, yourself. You you're tying your own hands and you're gonna have to rely on these um depth players to like play above their their level of, of play, you know? Yeah.
1: No, I, I completely agree. And like I think the Bruins next off season really have to be careful. I mean I know we're yes. kind of going off tangent, right? But yeah, you and, and this kind of t- ropes back into our conversation about the oilers it's like you got to be careful with these with these contracts listen darnell nurse is a solid defenseman he is is he worth 9.8 9.5 absolutely fucking not absolutely not he's not but you know what you tied your hands on that and you thought he wasn't that when he signed that deal right And, and and it's it's these decisions that you know they don't think about the second and third order effect when they sign these deals, and that's what I'm saying about the Bruins. Is that this coming off season there's going to be a lot of talent available? They have to really sit down and look like is this going? How is this going to affect us? Not only this coming year, it's going to be really exciting when they put that new uniform on and you know they're out on the ice for us. How is this going to affect us four, five, six, seven years down the road? Yeah, are we exactly. going to be at? Are we going to be at the tail end of their contract going? Jesus fuck, no one wants them. And that's what they got to be careful of. That's why I'm always weary about these contracts. And to to the the original point, yeah, I I would I'd be nervous if I was Edmonton. I would. Yeah,
0: yeah, I would be a little bit nervous. Um, they got lucky with the Evander Kane, um, you know, contract that they were able to sign him to, so that yeah. helped them out a little bit. But I mean, you you. The, the playoff picture for the NHL this year could look a lot different than what it did last year. I think you could see maybe two or three teams at least who weren't in last year punch a ticket this year and be playing yeah. hockey in late April.
1: I agree with you, dude, 100%. Because yeah. it's, it's been a weird year so far. And, and you and I are, are pretty similar in the fact that we watch every fucking game we can. Yep. Every, time, every time we're home, there's a game on. So I've seen... The Western Conference, I've seen the the Metro Division, Atlanta, obviously the Atlantic with the Bruins. I've been watching all of them, and it's it's a lot different now. Like there's yeah. a lot of teams that you go, oh shit, like they're not trash.
0: Right, and Arizona,
1: yeah. and, and I'm not saying Arizona's going to be fucking hoisting the cup, but they're no slouch anymore, dude. They're fun to watch.
0: Right, it, that that's a team where you know, and there's a lot of teams like that now, um, where you see them on the schedule and you can't just pencil in a, a win anymore. It's right. like okay,
1: like like. <laughs> This could be a
0: battle. You know, this could be a tight game.
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, that's kind of a good segue into uh, the next, you know, topic I want to talk about, and, and that's uh, last night, Leo Carlson, number two, uh, number two overall pick um, yep. to Anaheim. Um, played in his first NHL game last night, scored his first NHL goal, and my fucking beautiful shot, dude. Like, yep. and just getting to watch this kid – obviously yes first game whatever i'm now understanding and seeing what the anaheim ducks saw in him and why they decided to choose him as the number two pick
0: yeah and i mean you
1: know i think a lot of people were really confused and especially around draft time they're going what the fuck are they doing like and i don't think that was fair to leo at all because leo's no fucking slouch right and he can he can play with with the rest of them and i think yeah, we're in we're in the U.S. and obviously Fantilli coming off a you know an unreal season at Michigan, Holby Baker winner. Yeah, like I I think yeah, especially here in the states, like yeah, it was a shock to see him passed on. But let's yeah, not dude. forget Leo Carlson, dude is an unbelievable player. He's an oh, unbelievable he's center, dude. Yep. That shot that he had last night, he he looked like a seasoned vet out there. It's kind that's of a, and that's another team, dude. I don't know about this year, and I have a feeling I might I might their, regret this.
0: No, their their defense is a little sketchy.
1: Their defense is sketchy. I love Drysdale. I love Fowler, but I think they're one more high pick away from being, say, a Buffalo, being yep. a Ottawa, being a Detroit. That's yeah, where I, I see them. Agree.
0: I you agree, know, agree. And, and
1: like, say they grab like an Iserman or, or Celebrini or a Berkeley Cat and for whatever, you know, I think that really could make a difference in this team. And, and I think we're going to be talking about Anaheim as one of these teams that like, yeah, they're no fucking slouch anymore.
0: I mean, you just look at their first line, dude, they're, they got their, their first line. I will say if Carlson can pan out to be, you know, what he looks like he can be right now. The first line is good, dude. They got Zegras, Carlson, and Terry. That's a really good first line. And then obviously following that line, it's it, it's a pretty harsh uh, cliff. You got Vetrano, McTavish, who's also one of those younger guys who mm-hmm. is going to end up being a part of that core group. Vitrano, um, McTavish, and Strom. And then Max Jones, Gruel, Silverberg, Ross Johnson, Carrick, Leeson. Not bad, obviously the bottom six in that second line can use a little bit of um, you know, like additions and and um, just a little a little more talent to get over the hump. But what they're doing right now in Anaheim, um, building that roster, going through the shitty years that they' have you know been going through, um they're 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 drafting well. Uh, they're picking the guys that they think that their team specifically needs. And it's working out for them. I mean, even this year, they don't look like a horrible team. They're not a playoff team, but they don't look like a complete trash bag
1: team. I agree. And like even come playoff time and come trade deadline time, I don't think – not that I don't i – we're not going to see them as contenders, right? Yep. They they could be in a position where they have John Gibson on that roster, right? And he yep. still has value. Let's Let's not – stray away from that. Like he's still a very serviceable, a great goaltender. If they're able to somehow make a move where they send Gibson to a contender, they're gonna get even more fucking draft capital if they want to. Yeah. Like I said, they have they have kids we talked about that back end with Fowler, Drysdale, you know, like we have kids that haven't even played. Yeah, Pavel Mintikov that he's he's just entered the lineup, right? Olin Zelwiger hasn't even played yet. Um, Tristan, Tristan Luno hasn't even played yet though. These are, these are solid three solid defensemen that you're going to eventually pencil into that lineup. I love what they're doing and just seeing like the little spark that, uh, that Leo Carlson provided last night, they're going to be fun to watch dude. Like that. And you mentioned that first line, like if they can somehow lock up Zgris, I mean, obviously they have him for the next few years, but I see him being a part of this, this team's future. Yeah, I just I, I I just do. I don't see a scenario where they let him walk or they deal him. Like, what what are you gonna deal him for? Like, yeah, I I don't know. I I just feel like he's already a part of that. Like, he's kind of turned the tides of hockey in Anaheim, California. And I think, yeah, he was on the cover of NHL. Like, he you know he had the his moment at the All Star game. Like, he's kind of put them back on the map, right? And not they've been kind of irrelevant for the past few years. Even yeah. with, with Ryan Getzloff there. And yeah, no, you're
0: right. You're right. 100%. And I think, I don't think Zegers is going anywhere. Zegers is a duck, I think. Um, Troy Terry is going to be there as well. Jamie Drysdale is still unsigned, right? He still has no, not been
1: signed. He yeah. signed. Dude, he, oh, he signed. Did sign? He signed. Hold on. I, I want to make sure I get this right because I know you're going to be like, there's no fucking way he signed this. He signed. Probably one of the most team friendly deals. and I don't I don't know what the rationale for this was. Let me see. Cause I remember here we go. Oh but yeah. Oh nice. Three years, <laughs> six point nine million. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good deal. Dude, um... and that and that's the full contract. That's not that's not a year. So why is he is he still like I don't know, dude. It's a, it's a it's a cap hit of 2.3 million a year. That's what I'm saying. As soon I knew it was something what? I knew it was something absolutely fucking ridiculous, dude. He's, How did this the entirety of that contract is 6.9 million dollars nice. Wow.
0: Yeah. Uh, holy shit, and that's, an unbelie- <laughs>
1: that's an unbelievable contract, dude, especially for three years. And then you know what?
0: He's gonna get paid.
1: Yeah, he's whether it's with them and he's gonna be restricted again,
0: right? Yes, right. So, He'll still be RFA. Yeah, so yeah, it's
1: it's crazy, but. They, are they're, they're another team, man. It just came to mind talking about Leo Carlson's first game, first goal. Again, congrats to him. That was that's such an awesome moment. He was able to have his mom and dad there. I saw the pictures that you know after the game. That's I always love seeing you know the the rooks getting their first. Uh, it's a, it's such a cool moment. Even just yeah. watching from the couch, dude. Just see, like and it always fucking gets me where they they score the goal right, and then immediately they go to the the parents, and I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. Like, let me, you know. I don't wanna fucking like get emotional tonight. <laughs> it's it's so cool to watch because it's like, you yeah. know, you know, he's not from the US. Like he they obviously traveled from right, you know, overseas and they were able to be there for and especially in his first game, dude. That's that's crazy. But they're, they're he's gonna be another one man in the Calder uh conversation. And another thing I wanted to bring up too is like I think I already kind of harped on this is like, there's so many talented rookies this year and I just feel like they're not getting their, their due diligence. Right. Or their, their clout. Yeah. Like their, day, fa- right? their
0: fair share of like attention. Yeah. It's, and it's like, tough, I know they, hard.
1: I, I I know they probably don't give a flying fuck about that. And, and I like, I get it, but like, again, man, a lot of these rookies are fucking talented and they're going to be staples in this league for years to come. But for whatever reason, and I think I think Halsey said it best dude like it's yes. just it's just too much like it's just getting to be too much like let him play yeah. like it's just you're gonna ruin it for the kid you know like
0: right like let's just let's just take this per- as perspective um so so far right now um uh NHL rookie scoring leaders for this season I'll just read off the top ten yeah Logan Cooley at four points through four Ridley Gregg. Three points through four.
1: Hey, Connor. hold, I, I, I that's a name, dude. Yep. And I want to bring back up the prospect challenge shit. Him being in Ottawa, I thought he was at the prospect challenge, and I he was one of the ones on my list that I was like, "This kid's gonna make the NHL." T-. It was like the Benson, oh, yeah. Benson, Savoy, Patois, Lowry. I was wrong about that, but it, Greg was fucking gross, dude.
0: Well, he's he's second in the league in terms of he rookies, and he's a plus, dude, and he's a plus four. Have you has anybody even heard of him? Like like has no. the media given him any attention? No. no. Then you got Connor Bedard through five. He has three points, he's a minus two. Um Vegas, uh Katie Kaden Korchak, two points, two games. Uh fifth, Henry Thrun, San Jose Sharks, two assists Hey, two shout, out to, shout out to
1: Shadow Harvard.
0: Shout out to Harvard. 6 uh Pavel Mintakov, uh mm-hmm. 2 points 3 games. 7 Matthew Phillips, Washington Capitals, 2 points 3 games. 8 Matthew Coronado, 4 games 2 points, Calgary Flames. Shout out, Flames. Harvard. Shout out to Harvard. Number 9 Minnesota Brock Faber, 2 points 4 games. And number 10 Zach Benson, 2 points 4 games. Shout out to drop the mitts. Shout out to <laughs> Iceman. <laughs> But you don't hear about these guys that much because the media is hyping up Carter Bedard so much.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, and to, to kind of, it's nothing that he is bringing on himself, right? Right. It's not, it's not, and he's not feeding into it at all. Like, I think it's just, it's it just comes with the territory, like how fucking dynamic he is. Like, again, yeah, they're going to fucking talk about him. Like, it's unreal how fucking good he is at hockey. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's crazy that we're not even talking about these other rookies. We're not even talking about Adam Fantilli, the number right. three overall. Like again, Leo Carlson, you're not hearing anything about in the hockey world. It's like I don't know. It's crazy, dude. At some point, it's I feel like it's gonna hopefully die down. Oh shit, Henry Thrun, Henry Thrun's from fucking Southboro. Did you know that?
0: No, I did not know that. Actually, that's crazy. That's, that's pretty sick. Shout out Corderville. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah dude and shout out harvard oh nice economics major good for him uh but yeah dude so yeah this this it's been a been an entertaining first uh first part of the year but yeah man i feel like everyone's kind of getting over the whole Bedard. like want to see him do well obviously like so so exciting like we haven't seen a player like this since uh Mick Jesus came into the league but It's getting to be too much. Like, I I can't remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember Connor McDavid doing this many, like, interviews. I I just, I don't remember it. No. Like, they they have, like, a fucking camera up his ass, like, 24-7, dude. (laughs) It's a GoPro. Yeah, it's like a GoPro, dude. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, uh, this kid must be getting fucking sick of it. Mm Mm-hmm. I know I would, and, you know, he handles it so professionally, and, like, again, he just – it just it's a testament of how mature he is as an 18-year-old to have all these fucking cameras shoved in his face. And it's like, you know, they're talking about it – I forgot who sent the post to me, and it's like, we're going to be following Connor Bedard all year, 24 365. Yeah.
0: It's
1: and like, it's oh like, boy. oh, shit. Oh like, this dude isn't even going to be able to, like, take a shit on his own. like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like – and so it's like, yeah. At some point, man. I, I hopefully it dies down and they just let the kid enjoy his rookie year. But yeah, yeah. So that kind of wraps up today's, you know, this week's episode. We have a uh, absolute legend, dude. I, I wish you could have been there for this one. I know, uh, I know, dude. He he's a riot. Like he was talking about. You know, you guys will get to see like Chicklets Cup, um, talk some Rangers yeah. hockey, some NCAA. We we got to meet at uh the UMass Michigan game and just just such a nice guy like you know he was doing the color for the game and he just one of the nicest guys shot him a text and absolutely come up and you know we got to talk for a little bit and he was just just an awesome guest and we got to bullshit for you know 35 minutes or so but uh yeah Johnny Lazarus of uh Bleacher Report hockey content creator um you probably know him from doing the you know, skating around the ice with, with the players, asking them questions. He's that guy. Um, talked about, you know, interacting with Sid and, and all these NHLers and just an awesome guy. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, and that wraps up episode 17 of dropped the Mids Hockey podcast brought to you in partnership with primetime productions. Thank you guys. Peace out. We're not joining. No, he, he's not here for this one. He, uh, yeah he
2: scratched today
1: yeah well he's he's a he's he works in the uh post office so he's oh, all really? right working his working his balls off right now but
2: we'll uh, we'll, for it. yeah
1: <laughs> welcome back to another episode of drop the mitts hockey podcast brought to you in partnership by primetime productions we have a very special guest coming off a Chicklets cup victory uh the one the only johnny Lazares. how you doing buddy
2: What's going on, Chris? Good to be here. And uh, had I known I'd be introed as a Chicklets Cup champion, I would have had the jersey behind me. But uh, <laughs> it's in the drawer right now, tucked away. But thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Of course, man. Yeah, dude, talk to us about that tournament. Like, I, you know, obviously we've heard the Empty Netters boys talk about it. Um, you you talked really highly about that whole tournament. It looked like an absolute blast. Uh, what was it like out there in Buffalo?
2: Yeah, I mean, first off, it's like, you know, as, as a 27-year-old... You know, it's rare to have a weekend where you're just, like, at the rink the whole time. Like, yeah. I really felt like I was 12 again, which was honestly the best part. Like, say what you will about, like, you know, all the personalities that were there, the drinking, the fun, the activities and whatnot. But just, like, you know, being in your gear, like, all day Friday, all day Saturday, just kind of shooting the shit, hanging out at the rink. Like, you know, I, I missed that. And I didn't realize that I missed that. Um, so that was really cool. And then, you know, obviously playing with uh, Chris and Dan, as well as the hockey guys and my buddy Steph Cantali from, from Mercer. So we played together in college um you know just a a fun group and uh you know obviously we were all there to to win and have fun and you know it's cool that we had the the content side of it as well so like we'll have the videos and stuff forever remember it so um yeah no great weekend great guys and uh kudos to the chicklets crew for putting on that event because um you know obviously the weather in buffalo wasn't you know ideal it rained like both mornings but um you know even with the rain or shine like it was still you know a really fun event and a lot of people came out and, and had a good time and the weather actually did end up getting pretty good I think in the afternoons but um yeah overall just an absolute blast and if anyone hasn't been I, I highly recommend going to the next one
1: yeah so Chris and Dan were actually they were talking about I think it was on their last pod and they were talking about like how everyone was taking it like pretty seriously like
2: yeah it wasn't just some... two teams actually <laughs> did you yeah
1: Dude, so I know, like, from uh, here in Mass, they have a team, the the Nose Face Killer. He's he's from yeah. like literally like ten minutes away from us.
2: Yeah, uh, he's a really cool guy. I got the chance to yeah. talk to him a little bit. Um, he's unbelievable.
1: Nice. Uh, hockey ice hockey skills are yeah, but he's a he's a
2: hell of a ball hockey player. Well, dude, uh, that ball hockey is like insane.
1: I yeah, I always dude, like you know
2: I'm not the toughest guy in the world. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but I always thought like you know I could handle anything. I watched them play for like 10 minutes and I was like, no chance am I ever playing that game? Like no padding shorts, t-shirt, no helmet blocking clap bombs, (laughs) like just, just chaos.
1: And, and, and I don't think like a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, that are not like avid players or whatever. Like it's literally night and day difference to me, at least like between ball hockey and ice hockey. Like, Oh, I I remember playing ball hockey, dude. And I'd be just like fucking tripping over my own feet and like, I'm like, I can't do this shit. So I gave it up. But yeah. just watching some of these kids like their hands are just like unbelievable. But did you did you get to play against like the Chicklets boys at all or how was the, no. how was the competition for
2: you guys? Uh, we played roller B on our team and I also played roller A with some buddies from Long Island. Um and, and and there wasn't like a major difference between roller A and roller B, but I would say, you know, roller hockey's so different from from anything because it's not like it's not like go go go. It's like very much like possession focused, where you can like, you know, if you have a two on two rush, you don't even <laughs> need to like try and score. You can curl back and set it up and just regroup and, you know, try to make your own numbers happen. So that was what I was trying to explain to our guys. Like, um, you know, we were mostly like an ice hockey group. So everyone got the puck and just wanted to go straight, but like, in roller, like, it's really about taking your time, like settling the puck down. Like I remember in our second game in roller a, like we had the puck on our sticks for three minutes before we even took a shot. Like, yeah it's all about just picking and choosing your seams and, and when to attack and when to sit back. And um, that was something I had to explain to our team like the entire weekend, but you know, roller is so chill and so fun. And, you know, obviously you have to give effort, but like if anyone like hasn't played roller, that's interested in doing it, it is so much fun. I, I love roller hockey, but I think, the competition was, was really strong. I thought,
1: I think it was one of the first clips, either you posted or Chris or Dan posted. And it just, exactly what you just said just kind of like being patient like waiting for a seam you went d to d i think it was a goal you scored actually i couldn't really tell who scored the goal but yeah it was exactly that it was a d to d pass and then you took it up the seam i believe and then just kind of mm. took it to the net and that was it and, trying uh,
2: to pick one. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember who it was i couldn't really tell i, I mean <laughs> man it looked like a well-drawn up play but um yeah, we, I kind of wanted to get into, you know, talking about especially your, you know, your writer for Hockey News um, covering the Rangers. Um, and they've been a really interesting team thus far, um, as far as like starting off really hot. And then obviously last night, um, you know, with Nashville, a little bit different. Um, what what are your expectations for this Rangers team this year? I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different from last year, losing Patty Kane, um, losing Tarasenko. What are your what are your expectations for this team? and to caveat off that, are there any players um other than the obvious ones that you think could really make some noise for this team and and really make an impact?
2: Well, I'd say expectations, you know, I, I think last night's a total wash. Um, just because my expectation for them is to pretty much be way more competitive than they have been. And and it didn't show last night there was like no compete level. And I think Laviolette, you know, spoke to that pretty clearly after the game. But um, you know, I, I think the Rangers have all the talent in the world to to be as good as anyone in the league. It's just a matter of their compete level. Um, and obviously, team speed has a lot to do with that as well. Like, they're a little bit of a step behind, you know, from the elite skating teams in the NHL. Like, I'd say Edmonton, um, you know, New Jersey, uh, Carolina, the three that come to mind as far as just yeah. up and down speed go. But, you know, I, I think can obviously didn't, you know, play his best last night. But I think when he's at the top of his game, like – you know the Rangers to me, I, I said they're ceiling this year as like an Eastern Conference final appearance. I don't see them winning the East, but um, you know, I, I think it, it could go from anywhere between them losing in the first round to them getting to the Eastern Conference final. Like I don't again, I don't see them winning the cup this year. I think it, this is a you know a, a grace period season where next year I think you kind of figure out what you have in the room and they know what they have in the room too. But under Lobby Lett, it's gonna take some time to adjust, right? So yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I've been saying that this year is like a trial run. And next year is like, you know, I think they're back on that cup watch. Um, and as far as the players, I think that can, uh, you know, aside from the obvious, like Panarin, Fox, Zibanejad, Shashirkin, I would say are the four obvious ones, right? And Kreider, you can throw in there as well. Right. Um, You know, I, I had a lot of high expectation for Capo Kako. Um, and I know everyone talks about that. And that's kind of an obvious one too. Uh, but he had an unbelievable preseason, like looked insanely confident. And I think, has been held pointless the first four games. So that's been a bit of a surprise. Uh, With that said, I still think his ceiling this year is very high because he's going to get first-line minutes the entire year from what it seems like with Jad and Kreider. Um, And then other guys, you know, that I would think can have an impact. You know, Will Cooley has been strong so far in his rookie season or full rookie season, I guess. And, um, you know, Heedle to me, getting that second-line center role, uh, you know, I, I thought he could put up 30 this year. He still hasn't scored. He had one in Columbus, but he got called back. Um, so he he's, he's looked good. The yeah. is a really strong skater, he just hasn't been able to find the back of the net yet, at least one that's counted. Um, and I know I'm, I'm kind of now rambling on because I could talk about the whole team for hours. No, but, yeah, it's all good, um, man. You know, I got to talk about my boy, Alexi throw him in there. Yeah, um, and he had a really great first game, hasn't looked as strong since, but uh, you know, I'm sure he'll get back to it. And you know, last night was a dud, but I'm sure Laviolette will fire them up for the next one.
1: Yeah, that was, and honestly, that was part of my, the big question I wanted to ask you is, do you think Capo Caco and Lafreniere have their breakout years this year?
0: I mean, I mean, mean, three years,
1: right? (laughs) You know, and But like, honestly, I think, I think people are so fast to call these kids busts, right? Like I just, and they, they don't look at the the whole picture. I don't necessarily think that they were put in positions to really succeed beforehand, but do you think this is the year that they kind of, come into their own and have that breakout year? Um, And and if so, what are some numbers, you know, point-wise that you could, you know, goal and point-wise that you can predict from these guys?
2: So from what I see right now, I would never call them busts, but I also would be, you know, relatively confident in saying that I don't see them, like, ever being 90-point, 100-point players, like, which is what a one and two, you know, should amount to at some point. Hypothetically, um, yeah, But I think a lot of that has to do with like, you know, you watch Lafreniere and Kako play and they're never really like, I don't want to say they're not intense, <clears throat> but they don't play with a ton of urgency. They're always looking to make the skill play and, and make the creative play, which is good, which is what you want. You want your players right. to be creative. But at times I'm like, just shoot that puck. Just get that to the net, right. like make the simple play, which they're capable of. Um, you know, I thought Lafreniere had some good looks last night. He came down the right side at one point and, you know, kind of lifted his leg like a fake shot and went across the the Royal Road there to Panarin, who had a good chance on Saros, but couldn't finish. Um, but you just want to see those two have a little bit more hunger, I'd say, like around the net and, um, you know, thinking shot first because Kako's shot's pretty strong. Lafreniere has shown his shot at times can be really strong as well. They just don't, for whatever reason, just don't have that mentality of like, get this thing on net. And and I think maybe that'll click at some point. But, um, you know, I think that's one thing that they're lacking right now. Yeah,
1: they, and honestly, I, I got a chance to watch them uh, last night, too. And I I agree with you. I don't think they're cup-ready this year. They are going to have a few players that are definitely up for awards. I mean, I have Shesterkin winning the Vezina, um, Fox taking home the, the Norris. I think those are two. Probably. Clean sweep,
2: huh? Yeah, I, and
1: honestly, I just the way adam fox plays man and obviously he's a harvard kid so like we kind of knew about him beforehand like before he came into the nhl like he was actually pretty underrated in college oh yeah not a lot of people talked about him um talk to us about about his game man because a lot of people just see him for like his points and whatever you know the norris trophy that he won and but talk to us about his game because he is I think he is neck and neck with Kale McCarr, to be honest. Um so in, I, I in strongly disagree
2: there. I You do. Agree. Yeah. I, I
1: love I, his game, dude.
2: No, no, I'm I'm not saying yeah, you know, Kale blows Foxy out of the water. Yeah. Know, I play, yeah, I played with both. So like I've yeah. seen I've seen them up close. And I think, you know, the, the comparison I've made and I didn't come up with it, like uh Greg Carvel was the first one to ever say that Kale is the McDavid of the blue line. Um his explosiveness and yeah. his ability to create opportunity on his own, I think is unmatched in the NHL. Foxy is more like the Crosby of the blue line where he sees the ice almost better than anyone and he thinks the game a step a step ahead of everyone. And I think Foxy just creates so much for the people around him where yeah. Kale can create a lot more on his own. And then don't get me wrong. I think Kale, you know, obviously is, is a phenomenal playmaker too, but I think. Foxy's brain is what separates him. And I mean right. this in like the nicest way. This is like a compliment. It, it, it comes off negative, but it's a compliment. Right. You watch Adam Fox play a men's league game. He looks exactly the same as he does in the NHL. Everything right. is just cool, calm, collected. He never panics. He's like the most relaxed defenseman I've ever seen play hockey. Yeah. And I think that's why he's also so effective because it's so hard to rattle him. You can forecheck him. He's still going to hang on to the puck for that extra second or two, make a head fake, and then make the right play. Yeah. Um. And that's not a comparison to Kale. That's just something that separates Foxy is his patience and his poise and the way he thinks. But again, I, I think if you put like Kale and Foxy on the San Jose Sharks, Kale's probably putting up more points than Adam is because Kale yeah, can do sure. it a little bit more on his own. Whereas Foxy like makes those around him even that much better. Um. So I think that's the biggest difference with the two is just you know physical differences. Um. But their their thinking I think is on the same level. I wouldn't say yeah. like kale is you know a tier ahead of adam but they're just like everyone compares them as these like they're not the same at all in my opinion um yeah. but also like i didn't even talk about their defensive play they're both very strong defensively i just think when you talk about their offensive ability adam i would say is more you know can set up anyone around like can set up all other four guys at any moment whereas kale like can just get a breakaway out of nowhere
1: yeah dude. dude and like I what's crazy about it is I don't I don't really remember Kale in co- I do a little bit obviously I, I wasn't watching a ton at that time mm-hmm. but obviously you had a pretty close up of him like even in college and now obviously we see what he what you know what he is um do you like do you looking back on it do you think that there should have been no doubt like being a number one pit? Like, like I think it's easy for us now to be like oh how did this dude not go number one like how did he and yeah he slipped a 4 which mm. Is not by no means a fucking like slouch, you know, he's not a slouch, but like, what is what are I try to think about like what these teams look at and and how you look at a guy like Kale McCart and he's not a clear cut number one pick.
2: Well, I think the knock on him and, and no disrespect to the AJHL, it was just the league he was playing in. Like, yeah. he was putting up sick numbers, don't get me wrong, but I think there just wasn't enough, uh, at the time, like credibility in that league. Like, I, I think he was like the first ever, like, first round pick to come out of that league or something. So, yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, obviously his game speaks for itself. Like, he's gotten a lot better as the years have gone on, but he's still been the same player for the most part. But I, I think it was just, you know, taking a chance on a kid coming out of the AJHL. He's never played like, you know, uh, tier one or, or like major junior A or whatever they call it in Canada. I'm not sure, but you know, AJHL, I think is technically like tier two junior hockey. So I think that was probably the big question mark. Was like, can he do this with the best of the best? Right.
1: Um. So I kind of wanted to go back into like you know the rookies and stuff and the young guys in the league right now. Um. Obviously, everyone is fucking talking about Connor Bedard, right? Yeah. It's, it's like not today. Time.
2: Leo um, Carlson's talking today. Oh
1: my God, man. I, and I saw that one live. I went to, I went to Dave Chappelle last night at, uh, oh, really? at the guard. Oh, it was a riot dude. Mm-hmm. And, uh, luckily when I got home, the Bruins game and the ducks were on. So I was, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'll watch Leo Carlson play. He's unbelievable, dude. Mm-hmm. Like he, I think a lot of people were knocking him being like, how the fuck did this dude go? Number two and not Adam Fantilli, you know, and understandably so, Adam Fantilli is the you know the reigning Hobie Baker winner had an unreal year at Michigan. But man, who are some of the who some of the rookies that are in you know especially in this class? Mentioned the obvious Connor Bedard's, but who are your top three rookies? You'd say that are going to really make a you know make a run for the Calder Trophy that aren't Connor Connor Bedard.
2: Yeah, I mean, I had Levi as my rookie of the year pick. Um, he was
1: mine like, too, dude. Yeah, my, like, yeah,
2: but I don't know if it's going to stick with how. The Buffalo Sabres have started this year. Uh, he gets
1: he gets fucking peppered,
2: dude. Yeah, but I think you know? that that was a big reason why I liked him, and I think you know obviously yeah. if that team makes the playoffs, like because because when you look at the Blackhawks, the the Blue Jackets, the Ducks, like you know those three teams most likely aren't playoff teams, right? So right. I think if Levi brings Buffalo to the playoffs, just you know ups his odds a little bit more, um, and then obviously you know I think. It's it's hard not to talk about Cooley. Um, I got to watch him there at night when the Coyotes were in town against the Rangers, and Cooley actually had a you know burst of speed by Keandre Miller, who is not an easy guy to burn. Right. Um, and Cooley looked you know unbelievably poised. Uh, he made a great play on the power play. Um, I believe he passed it to Schmaltz, who then fed Keller for a power play goal. Um, but yeah, Cooley's looked really good. I think I haven't watched much of the Devils yet, so I haven't really seen Luke Hughes. Um, but I know he's been up there as well. So those three, I would say, oh, I didn't even say Fantilli and, and, and Carlson, but um, yeah. I actually haven't really watched Fantilli at all either. So, uh, you know, I definitely got to watch a little bit more around the league. I've just been, you know, super swamped this past like week or two, just with other stuff. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll be watching a little bit more of those guys, but I'd say like Cooley, Levi, and, um, you know, Carlson right now, played his first game, scored a goal, looked pretty good, are the three, I guess, outside of Bedard who should lead that conversation.
1: Is it you know? Is there anyone that that comes to mind for you that's kind of like a dark horse that literally no one's talking about? I mean, for me, going in, it was a Zach Benson, and that was before even oh, yeah. the preseason started. And man, watching this kid in Buffalo at the Prospect Challenge, it was like him and Maddie Savoy. It was like they were the two clear-cut best players there. It wasn't even close for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was wondering if there's any you know any dark horses you have that of rookies that could emerge um, as the year goes on.
2: Yeah, well, you took the words out of my mouth there with Benson. He was the one that I was thinking of. Um, yeah, I know. I know. There's. I'm blanking on the name right now. There's a, a defenseman on Chicago. What's his name again?
1: Kevin Kevin um,
2: Yeah, yeah. He's he looked. 50-55. I just so I only watched the first two games the Blackhawks played, the Penguins and the Bruins games, and I thought he looked pretty good in those games. Um, yeah, I, I was blanking on that name. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I don't know if he's like a dark horse because, you know, he's not going to put yeah. up. The the numbers, I I think he's just a solid, solid player.
1: He's a, he's a brute dude. Like, and again, I think, I think a lot of people, I I remember when the draft happened, a lot of people were fucking mind blown that he went seventh. And everyone was saying, how, how did Mintakov go? You know, how has he fallen? He only fell Mm -hmm. to the Ducks like two picks later. But you're starting to watch this kid and he's just a brute, big boy that, you know, he, he moves bodies and uh, blocks shots. He's a good defenseman. And he, he was one of my picks too. Like, he, he just—he's not going to win the Calder by any no. means because he's not going to yeah. put up the numbers. But I think you know, years to come, he's going to be a solid defenseman for sure. Um, so I kind of—I wanted kind of transition a little bit to I, for me. Obviously, I love college hockey, dude, and obviously we got to meet at the uh, UMass versus Michigan game, mm-hmm. um, which was fucking crazy. Because you chose I, the wrong one though. <laughs> I know I did, dude. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like watching this game. I'm like, this is unbelievable. I'm watching that first line for Michigan, McGroarty um, you know, and those guys, I'm like, this is unbelievable. This might be the best first line in college hockey.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and obviously Emma, my fiance, she, she's, uh, you know, a, a UMass grad. And she was like, I've never seen it this bad. Like even when she was in school. And then the next day, obviously, you know, Carvel must've tore into them a little bit and they came to play. Um, who are some teams around, you know, the NCAA that you think, You know, we have the obvious, the Michigans, the Minnesotas, you know, the BCs, the BUs. Are there any teams across the NCAA that really could make it, you know, make some noise and and make, you know, compete for a national championship?
2: So I haven't had the chance to watch them yet. And this is just like a dark horse. Um, And I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to come close to winning the NCAA championship. But apparently Holy Cross is like a team that's, you know, kind of on the kind of on the rise. Yeah. you know, I think their their head coach now is Riga, who was a Pecknold assistant at Quinnipiac for a bit. Um, and, and I've, you know, from what I've heard, they're, uh, you know, a pretty strong bunch. Um, but I, I haven't watched enough teams around college yet just because of everything in the NHL. I've only really seen UMass right. Michigan, um, BC and BU a little bit. Um, I'd say BC probably has the most top to bottom talent, at least on paper. Yeah. Um, but again, like, I don't want to just bullshit you and say, like, there's some other team that I've seen because I haven't watched enough. Um, but obviously, you know, the Minnesotas, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they swept St. Thomas in like a pretty intense series last weekend or, or yeah. two weekends ago. Um, you know, I think those are the top teams for sure. But BC and BU are the teams to like the bean pot this year is going to be nuts. Um, yeah, yeah. BC and BU is probably, you know, as good as this rivalry's ever been with the amount of talent that uh, that both teams have.
1: Yeah. You know, and just the state of college hockey as a whole, dude, like you're seeing, you know, just recently Macklin Celebrini, you know, Macklin, yeah. you know, he's playing at BU. You just saw Cole Eiserman flip to, to BU. Like the state of college hockey, it's become so unbelievable. Like, do you think there's what do you think is the main reason for this for this huge shift from, you know, junior to college? Like what what is the what do you think the um, like the reason for that is?
2: Well, I think if you look at players that have dominated the NHL in the last decade or so, there's been a lot of guys that have come out of college. Like I think of, yeah. you know, starting with Jack Eichel in 2015, um, you know, obviously he wins the Hobie as a freshman, goes into the NHL as the second overall pick, you know, obviously he had his issues in Buffalo and whatnot, but you know, he had a dominant, dominant freshman year at BU. Then you look at a guy like Cal McCarr, Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, like, Charlie McAvoy, all these defensemen in the NHL, it's the the top defensemen in the NHL for the most part all came out of college. Um, and I think that's a big reason why it's grown so much. And also like, you know, I I think a big thing about college is like kids want to have the chance to be kids. Like, you know, I think it's, and I I actually was talking about this the other day with a, with a friend and I'm, I'm blanking on who I had the conversation with, but I was saying, I think it was actually Boonieves. Um, or or Justin Selman, one of those two, they both played at Michigan. And I was saying that, you know, if you push back the draft age to 19, like you get these young kids to, you know, at least have one, like if Jack Hughes were to play one year of college hockey, like that would have made college hockey so much cooler and so much more popular. Like, you know, obviously Bedard played junior hockey and, you know, it is what it is. But if you had Bedard like playing a year of, or one more year, I guess, of like junior hockey and whatnot, like it just grows the popularity of the sport again. Like, um, you know, I, I, think just allowing, fans to pay more attention to college uh is what's going to grow the game a little bit because you know i talked about this with emily kappen on my blue crew show that a big reason why the nba and nhl are so popular is because the popularity of college football and college basketball because everyone's paying attention to the tournament everyone's paying attention to the college football playoff they know who these players are when they get drafted like even if you're a third rounder in the nfl draft like people know who they are um and the nba drafts only two rounds but like people pay attention to college basketball and college football. So I think if you put more popularity on college hockey, it just makes the product that much better for when these players enter the NHL. And, you know, the reason, like I said, about the popularity is because I think of, you know, the Kale McCars, the uh, Eichels, um, you know, those, those guys that, that really stand out Foxy's use, you
1: know? Yeah. It's it's unreal. Like in, I wish I got in the chance to go watch that BU uh, you know, national development game, because obviously you, you got the showdown of, celebrini and eiserman then you got the the hudson brothers and and mm. dude that national development team fucking waxed them yeah and, it, I, and you know i know it, it's different night to night anything could happen that's why you play the game but it's just been so exciting to watch like all these teams because this year i mean that you could five six teams you know that are really gonna gun for a national championship it's gonna be and then you mentioned the whole be- or um sorry the the bean pot mm-hmm. which is gonna be an bc bu northeastern's no fucking slouch and harvard too and um it's just gonna be so fun to watch um do you have any do you have any picks for the uh for the whole baker
2: hmm i mean from what i've seen so far like i it's it's probably a stretch but i love that kid shames casey i think he's so sick i miss just so gross. yeah he's he's so sick uh you know, but I've again, I've only seen like so few teams play, yeah. Um, so I'll have to look more around. You know, the NCAA a little bit as the year progresses. But I would say, like the first guy that came to my mind was was Seamus Casey, just yeah. because he's so sick.
1: We were talking about it at, at the game. We like, yeah. the way the way that he skates and just like again, he he reminded me of like a Quinn Hughes. Like, yeah, just the way like I literally saw glimpses of him, like how he just single handedly he could get the puck out of the zone himself, skating just. I love watching the edge work and everything. And he's going to be fucking special. The devil's got a good one, especially in the mm-hmm. second round, which is on un- uh, crazy to think about again, that this kid was a second round pick.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's so fun to watch. He really yeah. is.
1: The, um, and then obviously we got to see, you know, that Rutger McGroarty, uh, he's so fun to watch too, man. He's a character. And um, obviously with Winnipeg, I, I think Michigan has a couple, couple guys that could gun for that award. Um, yeah.
2: McGroarty was interesting though. Like, I I couldn't like tell like there was no player comparison like you know his, his skating is interesting he, he's obviously got skill around the net and a good shot but like I, I I couldn't think of like anyone in the NHL who plays his style like it's not like he was burning guys with speed he's just a big strong body that like just gets the job done it might not be the prettiest but like yeah you know I, I'm sure he ha- he's had some flashy goals too but um it's funny I actually was talking to, like this might be a huge stretch. But I was because I don't think he's as big, but like I was talking to Ben Holden, who does play by play for the Big Ten Network, and he's doing Michigan this weekend. And he asked me like the same thing about McGrody. And I was like, honestly, he kind of reminded me of like Chicago Blackhawk, Dustin Bufflin, like just big power forward, like, you know, doesn't like blow you away with speed or anything, but just like get shit done. It's like hard to knock off the puck.
1: Yeah, he and like, again, you bring up. Yeah, he's a big boy. Like he wasn't overly aggressive. Mm-hmm. But but like again, in front of the net, like he was, yeah, he was a big boy. He was, yeah, showed some power in front of the net. He showed a little finesse, I guess. But yeah, I I I wanted to bring him up because I feel the same way. I couldn't really put my finger on like what what his play style was. Like again, mm-hmm. he just was. You you said it exactly that. Like he just got the job done. Like got a good shot. He's big. Hard yeah. um, to knock off the puck. Yeah, exactly. And and you know the the other guy on his line that that also stood out to me was uh, Frank Nazar. Mm. and he was another guy i was i couldn't really put my finger like he's fast but like i don't know dude like he something about him like i know he's gonna be he got obviously drafted pretty high in chicago like i i just i thought i i would see more out of him watching that game and i know it was only one game yeah um but i don't i, I don't know i couldn't i it was hard for me to find a player comparison for him too
2: i think he scored the second night um on the power play pretty decent shot but yeah he's got a pretty good he's got a pretty strong shot smooth skater um yeah i don't know like trying to think of a comparison to him too like i I, you know i can't really think of one actually um yeah yeah, no i I don't have anything off the top of my head i i didn't really like you know i i thought he played fine i I didn't think he like stood out that much by any means brinley i was super impressed with he's a little speedster um but yeah no i i I can't think of anything for Nazar off the top of my head.
1: To uh, and then to switch it over to the UMass side, and obviously we're just talking about this game because that's you know where you know we got to meet up and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I was really impressed with you know, you mentioned the two obvious you know, Ryan Ufko and and Moro. I they were really fun to watch, man. And obviously they got, you know, they got burned pretty bad in the uh, in the first game, but yeah. I, I think they're gonna be solid defensemen at the next level.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, is an interesting guy, too, because he's got so much skill, and his size is, like, incredible back there. And, yeah. you know, he skates so well, and, you know, he's always – him and Ufko are both always below the offensive goal line, which, like, you know, you never really want to see as a defenseman, but, like, they have the speed and capability to get back and, and not be burnt. So um, those two are super fun to watch. I think Ufko is just a little bit more uh, simple, I guess, than Morrow. Sometimes yeah. Morrow overcomplicates things a little bit, but he's got so much skill that, like – he can get away with it sometimes like his between the legs move. He tries to pull off a lot and it works, you know, most of the time, but other times it gets him caught a little bit. Uh, But his defensive play is super strong. I thought, and um, you know, coach Carville talked about it a little bit in the press conference before the games this weekend, that, or that weekend um, that both those guys like, you know, chose to come back for a third year just for their maturity level and to have a chance to be leaders and, you know, just to get a little bit stronger and a little bit faster. Now it's like a cliche thing to say about college hockey, but it's so true. Like sometimes, you know, guys do the one-and-done thing, leave a little bit earlier than they should, and, you know, it catches up to them a bit in the NHL. Like, you know, as, as good as Clayton Keller has been, you know, I think one more year of college could have just suited him a little bit better to get a little bit stronger and a little bit faster. Um, You know, he did the one-and-done at BU. But, uh, yeah, I think Ofko and Morrow are, you know, two incredible defensemen and two guys that could be on the Hobie watch as well, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree, dude. And and, and I really think they're going to be special to watch at the next level. The more that, you know, the more ice they get, the more time they get to develop. Um. I, I, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is this, you know, the segment that you do for uh, Bleacher Report, mm. the uh, the open skate. Um, and obviously, you know, you're, you're a brilliant hockey mind, you know, you know your shit. And uh, talk to us about what that opportunity is like. I know, you know, video went pretty viral about, you know, you and Sid the Kid, dude. Like, talk to us about what that opportunity has been like, the guys you've been able to interact with and what you've learned, um, you know, interacting with these guys.
2: Yeah, I mean i like i still pinch myself that i'm doing that um to be honest like you know if you told me two years ago i'd be like skating a lap with nhl players i'd be like like what the like i like it's still you know it's it's something i pinch myself about for sure and uh one funny one that actually sticks out so i've done a bunch of them now and there's there's more that i've done that are going to come out as the year progresses because i did them all in vegas uh during the player media tour so we'll see some more come out over the next few weeks and whatnot but Last year in the Stanley Cup final, I uh, had the chance to do one with Anthony Duclair. And funny enough, I sat next to his dad on the plane from Vegas to Florida. So we were kind of like getting a little rapport and I was asking his dad about like some fun facts about him and stuff. So that was cool. Yeah. To like, you know, have the prior knowledge going into it. Uh, a lot of the times the questions are like kind of prepared from Bleach Report a little bit because you want to keep them for the most part like open ended where. You can ask some of the guys the same things and see the variety of answers. Like, you know, there's there's one response from Cole Caulfield that I think will be like, what, the, like how to, like what, like you know, <laughs> I think it just doesn't make sense, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Um. But the Duclair one, you know, sometimes I do them at the morning skate where there's actually like other people on the rink, so like I have to like navigate myself around the practice. And this was like toward the end of the practice, is prior to Game Three, of the Stanley Cup Final. Right. Uh, I'll tell you. Okay. So. The Panthers are down to nothing. They're a little on edge. And I have like the video. You can't really make it out what the coach says, but like I'm skating around the rink with Duclair asking him these questions. And I go through a line in a drill. And you and you hear the coach go, get the fuck out of the way. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, Duclair was like, he's kidding, he's kidding. Don't worry about it. But, like, I was like, oh, my God, I just, like, disturbed a drill to see, like, a vinyl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what, like you know. Um, so that was definitely, like, a crazy moment for me. But, yeah, I mean, getting to, you know, interact was, like, you know, obviously, you'd think that I was super starstruck around Sid. And, and you know, I'm not trying to sound like I don't get starstruck. Like, I definitely was. I was the most yeah. nervous for that one by far. But he also, credit to him, like, couldn't have been nicer, made it so comfortable, like, which which calmed me down and didn't make me feel pressure, whereas, like, other guys who I know, like, don't love doing media stuff, it's a little bit harder, and that's where I'm a little bit more on edge, but when the player just, like, understands that it's kind of like a loosey-goosey thing, it's meant to have fun, like, it's not really hockey questions, that's what makes it so much more fun and so much easier, and it allows me to be more of myself, which is good, like, I had a great time doing it with Willie Elander. like, that was a blast in Toronto last year, and, you know, mind you, these, these videos, like, take probably, like, three to five minutes and I like fly out for it. So it's kind of yeah. crazy that like, you know, I'll go on a trip and I'll do five minutes worth of work and that'll be it. And I'll head back to the airport, Um, which is crazy. But like, listen, I, you know, it's the best to me. It's like, you know, I don't know if you're a basketball fan at all, but like Jay Billis used to do that, like walk and talk segment on the yeah. basketball court. And I think the best thing about these videos and sorry if I'm rambling is just like, no, you're good, bro. The, the, the thing that I think hits home most with the players and why they're so receptive to it is because skating on the ice is their natural environment, right? Like it's where they feel most comfortable and where they feel themselves. Like you're not interviewing them in a locker room scrum in a suit with a microphone. Like you're kind of just having like a bro to bro moment of some sort, right? Where, like you're just doing a lap casually, right? Like, um, and I try to emphasize that before we start the video, I'm just like, Hey, like going to be five or seven questions, like nothing crazy. Just like, you know, shooting the shit, like, just enjoy yourself, you know, like make it clear that like it's not meant to be like a deep thoughted kind of thing. Um, and it's cool actually because now uh who was it that recognized me? One player like kind of recognized me from the video. I think it might have been Beneers. I don't really humble brag. No, it was, it was someone yeah, someone in Nashville the draft was like, Oh, you're the guy who does those videos. Yeah. Um, which was cool. But yeah, I think you know, listen, a, a lot of fans and including myself, right? Like I want to see more personality out of players. Like I want to know, like I learned more about Crosby doing that than I have like my whole life hearing from Sid, you know? Like, yeah. Um, so I think that's what's relatable and that's, what's cool. And that's why I'm feel insanely fortunate that I'm the one who gets to do it. Like I, I still, like, I can't believe that I like was on the ice, like skating a lap, you know, with Sidney Crosby. Like I, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something that I'm very grateful for. And, and um you know, I appreciate you asking me about it. Actually,
1: yeah, of course, man. It was it was funny because I remember I was laughing at the response. Yeah, Bleacher Report obviously posted, and you were like, "Yeah, it was pretty cool." Like, yeah, I, yeah,
2: I, uh, I don't like to spoil the interview. You know? Yeah,
1: no, I got you. And and honestly, yeah. I think it's, um, I think for someone like I definitely can uh, you know appreciate like you know we want to get the other side of these guys. Like you know they, sometimes they can kind of come off as like robots and you know and and it's understandable like a lot of these guys don't enjoy doing this stuff but a lot of these guys have lives outside of hockey and and have personalities outside of hockey so i think what you're doing with this is is so much bigger than you know i don't know if you realize but like it's so fun and and awesome to see like the other side of these guys and like you know see them laugh and so you you know and honestly it's i I love the work you're doing and uh, i can't thank you enough for uh for coming on here um So for anyone that wants to follow, uh, Johnny's content, um, you can follow him at J 23. Um, you can also follow his pod account. Um, he's a host of, uh, the blue crew at blue crew pod, um, covers the Rangers. They, him and, uh, him and his buddy Avery and, uh, who's Cody. Know. You can uh, I'm, I'm you can, sorry. You can, you, you uh,
2: can disrespect Cody. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. We, we do Cody. It all
1: the time. I'm sorry, Cody. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, you can follow them uh, again at blue crew pod. Uh, they put out some awesome content, some hilarious stuff, man. I, I know the clip you just posted had me fucking rolling yesterday. You're like,
2: Oh, the Knicks? no, thing. the fucking Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> he kills me that guy. I love but him. uh,
1: yeah, you guys, you guys do some awesome stuff. And uh, I can't, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on and uh, taking time out of your day.
2: Thank you, Chris. And same to you. Uh, great to see you grow and expand. And, uh, you know, I'm sure this thing will keep blowing up. So kudos to you. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you. Take care.